Pastor Kennan, welcome to Crosswalk. On behalf of the congregation, if you're visiting with us this morning, I'd like to say a special welcome to you. We're glad that you're here. And also to those of you who are joining us on our live stream, thank you for being with us. We are um, in a series uh, called Full Circle, and we're talking about the patterns of God's promises. So we're talking about uh, uh, the, a lot of the covenants that were made in the Old Testament and how that impacts us today. Uh, last week, now we looked at the Genesis story from uh, when uh, Adam uh, was in the Garden of Eden. And we also said that fortunately for us in that story, there is an extension of God's grace, right? So Adam and Eve may have had sin, but God doesn't boot them out of the garden and just uh, have them be on their own. But God actually walks out of the garden with them. I don't know about you, but I am so grateful that I have a God whose grace is greater than my sin. How about you? Can you give the God a hand this morning? Now, I'd like to say a prayer with you before we start this morning, and it's going to be out of Psalm 119. We're going to pray this together. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Happy are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Happy are those who keep his decrees, who seek him with their whole heart who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame, having my eyes fixed on all your commandments. I will praise you with an upright heart. When I learn your righteous ordinances... I will observe your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can young people keep their way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart, I seek you. Do not let me stray from your commandments. I treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the ordinances of your mouth. I delight in the way of your decrees as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servants so that I may live and observe your word. Open my eyes so that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I live as an alien in the land. Do not hide your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your ordinances at all times. You rebuke the insolent, accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me their scorn and contempt, for I have kept your decrees. Even though princes sit plotting against me, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your decrees are my delight. They are my counselors. In Jesus' name, amen. Isn't that a beautiful prayer from the psalmist? And, and you know what? <laughs> We're talking about the, the covenant that God makes with Noah today. It's called the Noahic covenant, but I'm convinced that that's just hard to say. Noahic? Noahic covenant. Okay, so anyway, the covenant that God makes with Noah and I think Noah could have prayed this prayer. And I'll tell you why I think that in just a minute. But this story is set about 2,400 years before Jesus Christ. So about almost the same distance as we are after Jesus Christ is before Jesus Christ, right? 
And I want you to notice what God does in this covenant because I believe that God is taking this covenant and using it to set a stage, just like this one, a stage for the whole world to be the place where the redemption of Christ is played out. It's amazing. It's a terrific covenant. I'm so glad I get to preach this today. Now, understanding the pattern of these covenants in the Old Testament leading up to the new covenant of Jesus Christ is really important because it'll show you how it starts in the Garden of Eden with Adam and then comes all the way back around to the new Adam, right? But for today, I'm going to be reading selections out of Genesis chapter 6 and 9. So if you brought your Bibles with you, I'd like you to open to chapter 6, put your finger in chapter 9, we'll get there. And you're going to start seeing this stage unfold on which redemption is played. I want you to pay close attention to how God begins to reveal the setting for redemption. I'm going to be reading here in the message version. We will also have it on your screens if you didn't bring your Bible. So listen to this. By the time we get, though, to today's scripture, in addition to what happened with uh, Eden, uh, with Eve and Adam... We see the first murder by now, the first murder that's happened. It happened in a story called Cain and Abel. It's about two brothers. Uh, One brother's offering was pleasing to God. The other brother's not so much. And out of jealousy, Cain kills Abel. So we've seen now this sin really starts manifesting in some powerful ways. And a plot, a repeating plot starts developing from Eden to the story of Cain and Abel and now on to Noah where there's sin happening. Then there's a call to account for that sin. And then there's a declaration of punishment. And then there's this extension of God's grace. That's the plot that's going to play out on the stage that's going to be set. By the way, it's the story of the whole Christian Bible. (laughs) And it's our story too. Starting in Genesis 6, verses 1 through 3. When the human race began to increase... With more and more daughters being born, the sons of God noticed that the daughters of men were beautiful. They looked them over and picked out wives for themselves. Then God said, I'm not going to breathe life into men and women endlessly. Eventually, they're going to die. From now on, they can expect a lifespan of 120 years. Now, (laughs) the first thing that happens is God's like, these humans... They're mortal. <laughs> I'm not going to do this whole 900 years each thing with them <laughs> as, they, as they continue to reproduce in the earth. We're going to cap that at about 120 at the most. And we're not going to do this perpetual 900-year thing. But I will tell you, Moses gets grandfathered in because Moses is about 600 at the event of the ark. And so, picking up in verse 6, God was... Oh, uh, sorry, picking up in verse 5. God saw that human evil was out of control. People thought evil, imagined evil, 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 evil from morning to night. Now, just think of that. Uh, People aren't just violent or wicked, right? They're not just bad people. They actually take pride in it. (laughs) 
Before they open their eyes each new day, all they think about is evil. All they want to do is evil. All that's in their heart is evil. All the time. All the people. All the time. Think about that. Sin is seen here as an internal problem of the heart. You know, it's, it's, it's really a problem of the heart. And humans are wicked and they're evil all the time. All of the humans. And listen to this in verse 6. God was sorry that he made the human race in the first place. It broke his heart. Now, I want to drill down for you in the original Hebrew language that this was written in. Uh, another word is also grieved for this broke heart of God. But when you really drill down into this word, it actually means pain. It actually means pain. For those of you who have ever wondered, does God feel pain? Well, there's your answer. God was absolutely feeling pain in God's own heart over this evil condition of people. And so God said this in verse 7, I'll get rid of my ruined creation. Make a clean sweep. People, animals, snakes, bugs, birds, the works. I am sorry I made them. Now, do you remember, if you were here last week, some of these characters? These were the companions from the Genesis story that God made. In the Garden of Eden, God only declared one thing, not good. And that was for Adam to be alone. <laughs> so God makes Adam a companion, and then a whole bunch of animals and birds. Now, as the real pain of our sin encounters God's righteous heart, God has regret. I'm sorry I made them. Wow. Where's the grace? <laughs> I was expecting grace. <laughs> but instead, we read, I'm sorry I even made them. Instead of grace, we hear pain. We hear anger out of hurt. We hear anger out of pain. We hear anger out of frustration. <laughs> this sounds a lot like how passionate we've all become about this whole gun debate and school shooting stuff lately. We have well-intended laws, right, that are supposed to give us the right to never suffer the impression of dictatorships again. But instead of accomplishing that good, sin and brokenness, mess it and muck it all up. And it's out of anger that we hurt. It's out of pain that we hurt. It's out of anger that we are frustrated. We are great at applying these biblical principles to others. <laughs> Shooters, <laughs> terrorists, racists, homophobes, and many, many others. But what about us? What about our sin? What about all those times when I just sat there and looked the other way when somebody else did something that I knew was wrong? <laughs> What about all those times that I was just complicit and I took no action? 
What about those times where we considered it less of a sin to do this and more of a sin to do that? Do you really think that's how it works? Like, like there's some sin scale in heaven, right? You get up there and God's like puts your sin on the scale and is like, mm, so that's only about 10 ounces. That's a, throw that one back. But this one's an eight pounder. <laughs> this is a huge sin. We'll keep it. You really think that's how it works? We fail to see that it wasn't the size of the sin that pains God's heart. It is the quantity. (laughs) All the sin. All the time. Their hearts were set on hurting God's heart because they let sin rule them. Will we remember that our sin causes God's heart to ache before we commit it? Will it change our choices? Let's look at someone who did make different choices, because this is a happy story, friends. Somebody who wasn't perfect at all, didn't make any claims on that. But because of his devotion to God, ultimately plays a role on the world stage that leads to a covenant with God that still is in play today and will be for all eternity. (laughs) Who do you think I'm talking about? Noah. It was Noah. Here's what the Bible says in verse 8. But Noah was different. God liked what he saw in Noah. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. (laughs) He was different from all this other stuff that was going on on the world stage. And God was noticing. God was noticing Noah. One person out of the whole world. And God was noticing. And Noah is chosen then to act as an ambassador for God. And God walked with Noah And Noah walked with God. That sounds a lot like Adam. (laughs) This brings up a question. How do we live? The choices that we are making, do they make us likable? Or are we giving God pains? Noah walked with God and his family had integrity. He was an upright man in his community. Verse 11, as far as God was concerned, get this, the earth had become a sewer. There was violence everywhere. God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone corrupt and corrupting. Life itself corrupt. Now, I did the extra study on this word corrupt and drilled that down in the Hebrew. And you know what it means? Destroyed. Destroyed. That's important. I want to reread that verse using that word. As far as God was concerned, the earth had become a sewer. There was violence everywhere. God took one look and saw how bad it was. Everyone destroyed and destroying. Life itself destroyed to the core. Now, we may have misread this story. (laughs) Time after time, in fact. That God destroyed the earth with a flood. Well, according to God and God's opinion, that's not what happened at all. 
We destroyed the earth with our fleshly appetites for sin and destruction all the time, all the people. Have you ever heard a teacher say, why, Matt, if you plant an orange seed, you'll grow an avocado tree? Well, no. No one's ever said that. What kind of tree would you plant if you planted an orange seed? What would you grow if you, grew, if you planted an orange seed? An orange tree, I hope. And what kind of tree would you grow if you planted an avocado seed? An avocado tree. This section right here, we're on it. Y'all are okay. <laughs> we're working on you. In other words, the moral to that is you reap what you sow. So if you sow something, that is what you're going to get. And that's what this story is about. If you sow destruction, that is what you're going to get, <laughs> is destruction. Crossrock, what are we sowing? Don't make this about someone else. Don't make this about the person sitting across the room. Don't make this about anybody else. Read this word with you in the story. What are you sowing? God said to Noah in verse 13, it's all over. It's the end of the human race. The violence is everywhere. I'm making a clean sweep. Wow. I wish the Bible didn't say that. Those are heavy, heavy words from God. Heavy words from the broken heart of God. And then God starts getting technical with Noah about what God's response is going to be. Build yourself, in verse 14, a ship, an ark, from teak wood. Now, I want to talk to you about this word for ark. The Hebrew word is teva. And what teva means is a box with a lid on it. Simple enough. Kind of makes sense if you ever think about the Ark of the Covenant that was in the tabernacle. We talked about that. It was a box with a lid. So it's a teva. Make rooms in it. Coat it with pitch inside and out. Make it 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and about 45 feet high. So from about where we're sitting to like Northwest Highway. That's about how big the Ark is, right? Build a roof on it and put in a window 18 inches from the top. Put in a door on the side of the ship and make three decks, lower, middle, and upper. Now, this represents some very important things here. The cosmos, Earth's atmosphere, land, and water. I'm going to bring on a flood on the earth that will destroy everything alive under heaven. Total destruction. Oh, my. They were really about to reap what they had sown. But then God makes this promise to Noah. Check this out. But I'm going to establish a covenant with you. You, good boy Noah. And it doesn't just affect Noah. It affects Noah's life. His life group. <laughs> You'll board the ship, and your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives will come on board with you. You will also take two of each living creature, a male and a female, on board the ship to preserve their lives with you. Two of every species of bird, mammal, and reptile. Two of everything so as to preserve their long lives 
along with yours. Also get all the food you need and store it up for you and them. Now notice that God doesn't leave Noah alone. (laughs) Just like God didn't leave Adam alone. God knew that that was not good. And so God gives Noah companions. Both human and animals. And then Noah responds in obedience. Verse 22 Noah did everything God commanded him to. Do you see what God is doing here? You see what's happening? God is taking all these things from creation, right? Putting them in a box, folding them up, putting the lid on it. While the dominion of evil and the fallen earth reaps what it sows. (laughs) Now, We tend to do the same thing with this story that we do with the Christmas story. We like to clean it up for our kids, right? We say it's for our kids, but I think it's really for us. We like to clean it up. We clean this story up. You ever been to a nursery where it's in the Noah's theme and everything's stuffed animals and giraffe heads are popping out and everything's cute? So cute. But under the chair molding, there are millions of dead bodies in the water. God is going to take it all the way back to Genesis 1. All the way back. Where the Spirit hovered over the water and blows, and then the lands, the dry lands appear. And then the lid is taken off the box, and the box of creation is unfolded. God takes it out of the teva. But it's no better. What we experienced right then was a recreation. A recreation. Why why does the Bible tell this story over again in a different way? Think about it. How many ways does the Bible tell the Christmas story? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Now I'm going to pop over to Chapter 9, and let's get to the covenant. Starting in verse 8. Then God spoke to Noah and his sons. I'm setting up my covenant with you, including your children, who will come after you, along with everything alive around you, birds, farm animals, wild animals that came out of the ship with you. I'm setting up my covenant with you that never again will everything living be destroyed by floodwaters. No, never again will a flood destroy the earth. God continued, this is a sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living thing around you and everyone living after you. I'm putting my rainbow in the clouds, a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. From now on, when I form a cloud over the earth and the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll remember my covenant between me and you and everything living But never again will floodwaters destroy all life. When the rainbow appears in the cloud, I'll see it and remember the eternal covenant between God and everything living, every last creature living on earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant that I set between me and every living thing on earth. In chapters 8 and 9, all the world is back in working order. (laughs) And God comes to this realization However, we're going to deal with this sin thing. (laughs) 
however we're going to handle this sin thing. We're never going to handle it like that again. It's important. We're not going to deal with it by wiping it out. That is not a good way to deal with it. Too many times, friends, we read this story with the idea that God makes mistakes. And to read it that way is actually missing the point. God has regrets, yes. But the regret was from God's pain, God's own broken heart for our choices, for our desire to sin. (sighs) That stings because it means that our sin is breaking God's heart. (laughs) All of them. Not just this sin or that sin, but all of them. Are we ready to reap what we're sowing? (sighs) And I don't know about you, but here's my problem when it comes to sin. Man, (laughs) when it comes to sin, I want justice for you. But God, please give me mercy. (laughs) Please give me mercy. I want all the mercy you have, God, the love, the grace. I want you to embrace me with a warm hug. Mercy, mercy me. Justice for her, though. Man, lay it on her. Give it to her good. Right? Anybody relate? (laughs) Hmm. No wonder God's heart breaks. (laughs) The truth is, we reap what we sow. We love the merciful side of God, who doles it out from like a Pez dispenser. (laughs) Mercy, 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 mercy. But we do not love justice, (laughs) except when it applies to someone else. Thank God on this world stage that's been set, there's an ark, (laughs) a tevah. Thank God. For Noah, let me tell you, you don't think Noah and his family thought that that ark was good news? (laughs) With that flood? It was worse than the, like, four or five inches we got last week. (laughs) And friends, here's the really good news. There's a new ark. And for those of you who will see it and believe it, it's really good news. It's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ is shielding us from the justice of God. Graciously doling out mercy. All we have to do is to believe and obey like Noah did. That's how Noah found favor. Love God, love others. Those are our commands. Loving. Mm -hmm. Christ is now the ark for those who are finding favor with God. Through him, justice and mercy is new every single day. (laughs) Justice and mercy. And here's the really, really, really good news, Crosswalk. Sin has been overcome once and for all by Christ's blood. 
Now I want you to look at your neighbor and I want you to say, no flood. Oh, you got to do it way better than that. Look at your other neighbor and say, no flood. Then you look at me and you say, Christ's blood. Amen. God says, it pains me to no end that you choose sin. But I'm going to give you the ark of the new covenant in Jesus Christ. And by his stripes, <laughs> I'm going to heal you with redemption. I'm going to heal you with love. I'm going to heal you with forgiveness. I'm going to wash over you all right. It's going to be a flood, but it's a flood of my blood. That's what Jesus Christ does. Ooh, and it is going to not only play out on the stage of this world, it's going to play out on the stages of your hearts. No flood. I want you saying it all week. No flood. Uh-uh. You want to sin? Uh-uh. No flood. Mm-mm. You look, the, you look at whatever's tempting you, you look at whatever you're grappling with, and you look at it square in the eye and you say, No flood! Christ's blood. <laughs> Amen? You got it? I want to hear that you got it. No flood. Christ's blood. It's almost Easter. <laughs> this is going to come in handy. That's what it means to remember the rainbow. That's what it means to remember the eternal covenant <laughs> that God has made with God's children. In this way. In this way. Oh, we met the promise keeper. <laughs> Will you pray with me? Oh, God, thank you for Jesus, <laughs> the new ark. Thank you that all we have to do is turn our eyes to him and believe. God, let us operate in power this week. God, when we're facing about a decision about whether or not to sin or not, Help us to remember how it pains your heart. And God, help us to look into the eye of that sin and say, uh-uh, no flood. Christ's blood. <laughs> Thank you that all we have to do is to trust and obey and believe and then love you and love others. Oh, thank you, God, for your mercy is great. You doling it out right and left. There's nothing Christ's blood can't touch. It doesn't matter how far back my sin is. His blood reaches it. It doesn't matter how deep the pain and the hurt of this life has caused me to feel. Christ's blood reaches it. It doesn't matter what's ahead that I'm afraid of. No flood. Christ's blood. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.